Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let us pray. Father, I praise you again. Just, Father, the victories, I know I do this every Sunday, but the victories of this church, they continue to pour in. The confirmation, the joy. Father, it just continues to pour in. I'm going to continue to praise you for it. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't care if I do it every Sunday and people get tired of it. It doesn't matter to me, Father. There is nothing greater that we need to do than praise you for the victories that you continue to pour on our lives. Uh, Father, I, I lift those up to you that are in need today. Uh, some go unnamed, uh, but Father, I, I, those are their struggles. Um, Father, I just need, I'm asking you to reveal your presence to them. Father, let them know that you're there. Let them feel you. Just ask that you put your arm around them and love on them. Um, Father, I, I do feel that a lot of people, the reason they struggle, they don't sense your presence. A lot of people may sense it in church, but for some reason when they get out of here, they don't sense your presence. Father, again, I just make it, I ask that you make it evident that you're with them at this time. Father, today we are going to continue this series, and I want to thank you again for allowing me to preach it. I enjoy it. Um, this series on marriage. Father, I need everybody in this room to know and understand how important marriage is. Father, to you and to this church, we're to set an example for you, Father. I want to thank you for the couples that are here. Uh, Father, the couples that not only have set that example, but Father, even the ones that I know are trying to set the example, they're fighting the good fight, Father. Um, I just ask that through this series that the things that they needed to grab and take home with them and place in their home and place in their marriage, Father, I just ask that you put that on them through this series. And Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me, Father, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Um, Father, that you take all distractions away from me today. My pride, lack of confidence. Father, replace all of that today, Father, with your boldness, your joy, your discernment, most importantly, your love. Ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to continue our series entitled Warrior Marriage. So far in this sermon series, we have discussed God's true purpose for marriage, uh, the biblical instructions of who God wants us to marry, and then last week we discussed the order and function of God's marriage covenant. If you've missed any of these sermons the last two weeks, guys, you can go on YouTube, you can find them there. Uh, and, I, and I highly recommend, if you did miss those two, go back and watch them. You need to kind of catch up with this series. Today we're going to be discussing the importance of having unity in your marriage. You know, I've done quite a few weddings now as a pastor, and uh, th there's always, uh, th there's a strand of three-chord ceremony, but then there's also the unity candle ceremony. I've even had a coffee ceremony. You know who you are. But guys, the, the candle, the, the unity candle I struggle with that one. 
You know, and for most of y'all that know it, you know, you've got one large candle in the center that's not lit, and then you've got two small candles on the outsides that are lit, and that represents the husband and the wife. And then they come together and they light the large candle, but then the mistake that they make is they blow their candle out. That is actually not technically correct, guys. A man and a woman should never blow out their individual candles, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because the true unity under God does not mean losing one's uniqueness. Unity does not mean sameness. Unity means oneness of purpose. Oneness of purpose. I'm going to put it to you guys this way. A true unified marriage is what a husband, or excuse me, is when a husband and wife bring their different individual gifts, talents, and characteristics together and unify them as one under God to fulfill God's marriage purpose. We went over purpose a couple weeks ago. I'm real quick, you know, man, woman, godly man and woman, right? Godly man and woman get together. They get married. They have children. Those children, they teach them in the ways of God. Then those children have children, teach them in the ways of God. That's the purpose of marriage, again, is to build the kingdom. Coming together with all your differences is a major part of making that work. I used the analogy last week, guys, of a football team and how they all have different characteristics and so forth. But, you know, it's that way, guys. You know, you got a quarterback, you got a receiver, you got a running back. All these different men that have different talents, that have different skills, different sizes, different shapes, different backgrounds, but they're all going after one common goal, okay? Just like a football team, guys, just like a player on a football team, they have all these differences, but they can bring that to the team and make it better. The husband and the wife have differences that they can bring to the marriage and make it better. As long as those differences between the husband and the wife are not related to sin, those differences are not only okay, but they are preferred. I want you to think about it, guys. If you and your spouse were exactly the same, guys, one of you wouldn't be necessary. It's just the truth of it. Your differences, when unified under God, build a strong marriage, and in turn, it will build God's kingdom. The problem is Satan takes those differences and creates division. Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, you know. He does this because he knows, guys, if he can divide you you and your spouse, if he can divide you, he knows that then God won't be there. Guys, without unity, your marriage will not, and I repeat, will not be able to stand against the attacks of the devil. It is impossible. And I've got biblical proof to back that up. Let's go look at Matthew 12, 25. This is Jesus speaking. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. It will not stand. Division will cause it to crumble. I need all of you married couples in here to understand, guys, when you're attacked, when you and your spouse are fighting, and and when you're at each other's throats, and division has crept into your marriage, guys, this attack, it's not a personal attack from your spouse. It's a spiritual attack from the devil himself. 
It's normal. I want you to know that, guys. So, so <laughs> I'm going to help some of y'all out here. When you're fighting with your spouse, because I promise you right now, we've got couples in here. Y'all fighting this morning. Don't lie to me. I know good and well you are. <laughs> so I want you to understand, that has been going on since the beginning of time. Attacks on your marriage are very normal. Because, again, Satan knows if he can divide you, God's no longer there. What's the word tell us? When two or more are gathered, what happens? God shows up. Satan knows if he can divide you. So that's why he does. Y'all remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about the Christmas towel, okay? It's little things like that. It's stupid things that he's going to put in front of you. Like I'm telling y'all right now, that Christmas towel, some of y'all weren't here. You had to go back and watch it. I'm not going to redo the whole story again. But that Christmas towel, I'm telling y'all, it wasn't even there when I was washing dishes. All of a sudden, it just appeared, you know? <laughs> but guys, it's normal because Satan is going to do everything he can. To divide the most powerful union that God has put together to build his kingdom. He knows when he attacks your marriage, guys, he's attacking God. The problem we have in marriages today is the world has made us believe this division is normal. They think it's just normal. Like this is, you know, let me rephrase because I said it was normal. What I'm trying to say is, is they think that because it's normal, because there's always attacks, that they shouldn't unify and fix it. They think since it's normal, then we're just going to stay separated and divided. We're just, you know, I'm going to watch my TV shows in the living room. You can go watch it in the man cave. You know, you're going to sleep on that side of the bed, and I'm going to sleep as far away from you as possible, or you can go sleep on the couch. You know, I mean, that's, that's how the world handles division in marriage, or they get a divorce, or they get a divorce. It's one of the two. Again, they make it sound so normal. So there's an older man one time he came to me, and he said, Micah, I have found the secret of a happy marriage. I said, man, I need some of that. Tell me what you're talking about here. He says, yeah, what you got to do is, is you and your wife, you go out for drinks, a glass of wine, and, and, and you do it. You know, both of you will go do that a couple days a week. And I looked at him, I was like, well, man, when do y'all do this during the week? He was like, I, I go on Monday. I don't know when she goes, but I think it's Wednesday. <laughs> See, that's how the world handles it, guys. And that's a problem. Satan's role is to create disunity. And Christian warriors, you need to understand the only way to fight back against the devil's attack of division is for both you and your spouse to come together and unify as one under God. There are three areas in a marriage, guys. This is what God showed me for this sermon. It's a little different from the last time. It's similar but a little different. There's three areas in the marriage that each couple must strengthen with unity. The first one is spiritual unity. Let's go look at Ephesians 2.20. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Right here, Ephesians 2.20 describes Jesus as the cornerstone of our faith. Guys, if our faith is central to our lives, then Jesus should also be the cornerstone and foundation to our marriage as well. Correct? Can we agree on that? Christian head nods. Thank you. So far, this, uh, this reason 
excuse me, so far, so far, excuse me, for this reason, it is extremely important that we have spiritual unity in our marriage. There are a few ways that we can have this spiritual unity in our marriage. I'm going to go over a few of these, and some of these are very simple and elementary, but I promise you, some of them are you're not doing it. I'll just be honest with you. Sitting together at church. Your spouse sitting together at church. See, this is one as a pastor that I need to pay more attention to. And I'm going to tell you all where I'm going here with this. We have a lot of people that serve at this church. Let's give our servers a round of applause. The problem is your pastor is not doing a good enough job at times making sure that these couples are sitting together in church. And in service, one serving over here, one serving over there. And see, guys, what you need to understand is, yeah, it's all well and good that you're serving the church, but, but your number one ministry is your family, it's your wife, it's your husband, it's your spouse. And, and I've got to do a better job of catching these things. But when you sit together in church, I tell you guys, I miss that. I miss that. I really do. I love sitting by Amanda at church. God calling me to this position, it was, it was hard for, it was for the adjustment, you know. I don't think she cared as much, but I did, you know what I'm saying? But guys, when you sit with your spouse, you're learning together. You're worshiping together. That's another one on here, worshiping together. Some of y'all know this, you might pay attention to it, but you know, Amanda doesn't get to sit in here a lot because she serves with the kids and so forth. And when she does sit in on service, when we do victory call. I'm with her. I love to worship with Amanda. Worship to me is it's one of my most vulnerable moments. And I want her to see that. Me and your wife needs to see that. She needs to see that you have that connection with God. I promise you she'll follow you more if she sees that connection. I promise you that. But sitting there and worshiping with your wife is a very intimate uh, spiritual time. We all need to be doing that. Reading the Bible together, studying together, doing devotional together, that's another way. Uh, communion, Don and Ann do this all the time. Uh, they take communion probably two or three times a week. You know, that's a beautiful thing to sit down and do together as a married couple. Uh, praying together. Guys, have y'all ever noticed how hard it is to get time with your spouse to sit down and pray together? You know why that is? Satan will do everything he can to, to, to try and divide that for sure. There is no stronger spiritual connection that you can have with your spouse than praying together. There's nothing stronger than that. Men, you're the spiritual leader of the household. If you're not praying with your spouse, it's time to step up. I'm going to leave it there. You can fast together. You know, there, there's a food or, or fast drink that, you know, you could, you, you could do that. You could fast food or drink. There's an isolation fast. Uh, the isolation fast is pretty cool. It's where you and your spouse just get out of town, no cell phones, no nothing. Y'all go do that together. You know what I'm saying? Just you two. Spend time together that way. Uh, personal possession uh, uh, fast. Again, get rid of your cell phones or things that might be distracting you from your spouse. Get rid of those things. Do that for a while, just for whatever time God puts on your heart. There's also uh, a fasting from sexual relations. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 7.5. Y'all thought I was lying, but it's biblical. 
do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited, limited time. <laughs> limited time. Okay? I lost my spot. So you... Limited time. So you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come back together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Men, don't freak out. Again, it says limited time, okay? Limited time. Listen, guys, I'm not going to lie to y'all. The first time I saw that verse, I didn't show it to Amanda. In fact, I went straight to her Bible and just ripped the page out. She has no <laughs> idea where it is right now. All right, all kidding aside, this verse actually moves us into the second area of a marriage that must be unified, and that is physical unity. Physical unity, okay? Before I get started, guys, I need y'all to understand, I have no problem standing at this pulpit and talking to this church about sex. None whatsoever. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's in that word. The problem we have in a lot of churches is they won't talk about it. Guys, I need y'all to understand, when I took the oath of a pastor, I told God I'd teach you everything in this book. I'm not going to hide anything from you, Okay. Sex is a beautiful thing, if done properly, okay? You know, the Word tells us, well, hang on, we're going to get into all that. Let, let me follow my notes. I'm going to get way off, off base here, okay? I want you all to think about this. Again, if done properly, in the covenant of marriage, it is a beautiful thing. You, you know, the word tells us that sex, it doesn't say that it's between a man and a woman. I need you to understand this. And y'all are like, what are you talking about? Hang on. It sure doesn't say it's between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. But I need you to understand it doesn't say a man and a woman. It says a husband and a wife. That's how it's supposed to be done. And I want y'all to think about this. That's why the church don't want to talk about it. It frustrates me. But if you talk about it in the context of how he teaches it, and if our world would do it that way, we wouldn't have the issues that we have in homes and divorces and so forth. And you wouldn't have those problems. We need to teach it in the church. We need to be teaching our kids at home and in the church what it's supposed to be like and stress it to them. And if done the proper way, God's favor will be upon that. Sex is extremely important, guys, when it comes to unifying a marriage. It's a gift God gave husband and wife, again, husband and wife, in the marriage covenant. And it has been around since the beginning of marriage, guys. Let's go look at Genesis 2.24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Become one flesh. That's what it's talking about. You don't have to use your imagination that much there. 
God bestowed the gift of sex on the marriage for two reasons, guys. The first one is, is obvious. It's to procreate, right? It's, it's to continue to build his kingdom. We have children. They have children, so forth. We already talked about that. Number two is so we can have a stronger, intimate relationship with our spouse. Guys, you'll never be closer to your spouse intimately than you are through physical unity. I want to go back and look at 1 Corinthians 7, 5. That's the one I tore out of man's Bible. And I want to catch a few important things from this verse, guys. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless both of you agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. This is where I need y'all to catch this, okay? Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I want you to look at the end of this verse, guys. What this verse is telling us, as a spouse, if you are depriving your other spouse from sex out of pride, Satan will attack. He'll attack. Satan won't be able to tempt you. It's right here, guys. And, and the other thing that this verse tells me, that lack of self-control, what that tells me is, is he made physical unity for the marriage covenant because he knew good and well that if you don't have two spouses that can come together and unite that way, that you won't be able to control yourself. Guys, I need you to catch something. I preached this six, seven months ago. I had a whole sermon on what the Bible says about sex. Lust has been around since the beginning of time. Lust is, in my opinion, just from counseling that I've dealt with and so forth, lust is the number one way that Satan knows he can attack. And the reason why is because he knows we have no self-control in that area. So as a couple, man and woman, you should make sure that you are supplying the needs of your spouse so that can be controlled. Can I get an amen from the men? Like all these dudes are like grinning from ear to ear, but you ain't saying nothing. Like help me out here. Don't leave me up here by myself, you know. Just like we discussed, guys, how you should take time with your spouse to unite spiritually, like we talked about praying together and so forth, guys, you should also make the time to unite with your spouse physically as well. You know, this is something my family knows what this is, but, you know, and y'all don't look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but see, we have at our house what is called NFT, okay? That's Naked Fellowship Time. Now, hang on. Y'all don't look at me like a crazy Listen, All you couples in here, y'all know good and well, y'all know what some NFT is. Y'all just call it something else, okay? As husband and wife, you should make the time to make sure that not only you're connected spiritually, 
but you are connected physically. And I'm going to tell you why, guys. This is the honest truth. I want you all to really think about this. I'm going to walk you through a couple's life. In the beginning, they're united. Everything's great. Then they have, why y'all still laughing at that? That's messed up. <laughs> Some of you men are going to remember that NFT, ain't you? <laughs> y'all going to text your wife, NFT? No. <laughs> My kids ain't here today. That's why I can say all this. <laughs> but I promise y'all, y'all ask Annabelle. She knows what NFT is. Like, uh, like don't come home. Is it in it? No, I'm just kidding. So, so there's a couple get married. They, they have a bunch of kids. And the next thing you know, mom gets so busy with the kids. Dad gets so busy working, trying to support the kids. They don't have that connection. What happens when those kids grow up and they leave the house? Where's that connection? I need you all to understand, you got to keep that connection going. Because, guys, if you don't, it's so hard to get reconnected. I've seen it many times with couples. The kids leave, and now they have nothing else that connects them. You should be doing all you can in your marriage to keep that connection. And, and, and again, I know we're talking about sex, but guys, I'm talking about, we're fixing to get into some more that's not sex, something else. But also, that, that spiritual connection, guys, I'm telling y'all, you should do everything you can, whatever it takes to connect you and your spouse. You better get connected. Because them kids ain't always going to be there. So, so some people think it's funny. Me and Amanda, we show a lot of affection to each other. Uh, you know, if we're at the house, we're, we're, we'll sit next to each other, we'll love on each other, we'll cuddle, we'll kiss, we'll hug. The reason I bring that up, and this is very important for you parents, um, well, I do it because she's smoking hot. But then also, I'm trying to set the example for my daughters of the man that I want them to marry. You know, I, I, it, it breaks my heart when I hear that some people think that's weird. That breaks my heart. Every parent should be leading that way. I want you all to think about something. We walk in this church every Sunday, and we're hugging on people, and we're high-fiving, and we're loving people. If you're doing more of that in here, and you're not loving on your spouse at home that way, if you're doing more loving here than at your home, there's a problem. That's a problem. You should be affectionate with your spouse. Your kids need to see it. Others need to see it. We need to do it for those parents that are not doing it in their home. Those are the ones I worry about when it comes to division after the kids leave. I worry about that. I was very fortunate. My mother and father were very affectionate. That set the example for me. Something that we need to be passing down to our kids. All right, let's move off of sex. Let's go to the next area of marriage that is so important that we unify. So you men like that last one. You ain't gonna like this one. <laughs> Emotional unity. We'll get a drink before I get on this one. Uh-huh. What did he say? I didn't even hear him. Shot of fire. <laughs> Come on, Mikey. Shame on you. It's our outreach pastor, ladies and gentlemen. 
the emotional need of men and women in a marriage are usually completely different. <laughs> End of sermon. That's all we need to hear right there. Most wives describe their husbands as emotional, emotionless. I can't even say it, you know, emotionless. Most husbands describe their wives as an emotional wreck. But regardless of each other's emotions, guys, we are called as a couple to do all we can to understand and fulfill the needs of our spouse. One way to unify emotionally with your spouse is to always extend grace and mercy. Let's look at James 2.13. Man, all them women said, yes. <laughs> James 2.13. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Mm. We should always extend grace and mercy before judgment, men and women. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to our spouse, guys. Who in here has a problem extending, or, or, or let, me, let me rephrase that. Who in here can extend grace and mercy to anybody but their spouse? It's like pulling teeth. Man, I got somebody giving up two hands over there. Like they know. I don't know if you're worshiping or you're telling the truth. Guys, I mean, really, like, it's like pulling teeth. Like, you can forgive anybody that does you wrong, and I mean hurts you. And then you can just be like, all right, that man, it's all good, you know, because they'll come and apologize. That's what I'm getting at. If they don't come apologize, well, you still got to forgive them because the Bible tells us so. You still got to love them. You, you, you love them from a distance. But, so, but let's say they come and they apologize to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to forgive them. You're, no problem, man. Listen, no problem. We'll get past it. No big deal. Doesn't mean you're going to trust them, but that means you're going to forgive them. But if your spouse comes and apologizes, you're like, it's about time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, I, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I struggle with this one. Dang. I'm more forgiving, and I'm better at showing grace and mercy to you guys than I am my own wife. I don't mind standing up here and admitting my faults. And that's one of them. And I, and I work on it the best that I can. And I get it. You know, most people say, and I, and I do understand this. It's because that's your safe place. And it's because she knows you better than, than Amanda knows me better. I know my dang self. But, you know, your spouse knows you more. And, you know, there's all these excuses that come out, guys. But you notice the word I just said. It's an excuse. We should show more grace and mercy. To the people, God dang, we live with them. You know what I'm saying? Like you see them every day. If you're going to not extend grace and mercy, it should be one of y'all that I don't see every day. It just makes more sense, right? If you're living with them every day, it's just like common sense. Why aren't we showing our spouse the grace and mercy that we should? It's because we know all their faults. We know, you know, when they say they're sorry and they're really not. We should be extending that grace and mercy to our spouse even more than anybody else. Give you a lot more peaceful home, I promise you that. One of the strongest ways to love is by showing mercy, guys. By doing this, you're letting your spouse know 
that as long as they're willing to fight for your marriage with you and stick to your vows, you can show mercy during the hard times. That's what it means to love your spouse like God loves you guys. I want you to think about it. God always shows you mercy. Always. Men, we're supposed to love our spouse like Christ loves the church. And he always extends grace and mercy to us. We need to be doing the same. He set the example. The last thing I want to talk about when it comes to uh, uh, mercy, grace and mercy. In fact, this kind of doesn't fall into place. But God gave me this earlier. And and he told me to put it right here in this sermon. I don't know why, but I'm going to bring it up. And it was something that literally he put on my heart this morning when we were talking about. I was praying with him and I was talking with him. I always do this. God, is there anything else I need to add or subtract from the sermon? I always ask that. And, And he put this on me. To have that emotional connection. You can't have the emotional connection if your spouse doesn't trust you. It all starts with trust. In your walk of life, in the marriage covenant, I promise y'all this, again, this is something he really put on me. If you focus on, if you focus on doing everything you can to get your spouse to trust you, it'll work. I want y'all to think about this. It's easier to love somebody than trust somebody. And we know the power of love. So that's why God put this on my heart this morning. If you'll do everything you can to make it to where your spouse can trust you. And when I say trust you guys, obviously there's a lot of things that you can talk about in that area. Obviously trust you in the marriage covenant, right? That, that nobody else tries to creep in or anything of that nature, but then also that your spouse, like I'm looking at this as a man, okay, that Amanda can trust me, that I'm going to protect her, that I'm going to supply and support her and my children, that she can walk in our house every day and know that I've done everything I can to take care of my family, that she knows I'm on my knees seeking God each and every day. That's, that's true trust, guys. Men, again, guys, I'm sorry. I keep beating up on y'all. I'm even in the women's part. I'm over here in the emotional side of things, and I'm still beating you up. But, guys, men, lead that way. Let your wife know that she can trust you. And then, ladies, same for Mm y'all. Now I'm going to y'all. Your husband should trust that you have his back. Amen, men? Don't leave me up here by myself. You know, us men are going to make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're not unicorns. We're not some magical being that God dropped on, on your marriage day right there in front of you. That's not how it works. We got a lot of flesh. We got more pride than you got. We have this thing called an ego. But ladies, when we make those mistakes, if you know we're seeking God, we, we need you to have her back. We need you to have her back. That's how we trust you. Another way that we can improve the emotional unity with the spouse is just to simply communicate with them. Communication is key in every relationship, guys. I want you to think about your relationship with God. 
prayer, communication, most important thing, right? Yeah. However, there is a right and wrong way to communicate. James tells us how we should communicate in the book of James. Let's look at James 1.19. Understand this, dear, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That is how we are to communicate with our spouse. Men, I need you to notice something. It says... Quick to listen and slow to speak. You see, these ladies just like to talk sometimes. They don't want you to talk. They want you to listen. How many times does, does your wife come to you? She's got this problem. And if, <laughs> I already hear it. And you sit down with her, and she's, she's telling you about the problem, and all you're thinking about is how to fix the problem. Yeah, because we men, we fix things, you know, mm, men, you know what I'm saying? But she don't want you to fix it, which is crazy to me. She just wants you to listen. She just wants to vent. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Poor James, he must have been a heck of a husband, you know what I'm saying? All kidding aside, a lot of you men in here know this. I have said this many times that we should strive to be a James 119 man. That's what we should strive to be. But then I think the end of this where it says slow to anger is for you ladies, okay? <laughs> so, so what I'm getting at is, is when I'm sitting there and Amanda's telling me all these things and then I'm trying to tell her how to fix it, she can't get angry. Who am I kidding? Amanda's the fixer in my family. Good gosh. <laughs> Moving along. Never communicate with your spouse out of anger, guys. Go cool off. Go chill out before you have the conversation. You know, <laughs> I have to do that. I have to do that. I have to walk away and cool off. And Amanda just keeps yelling at me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and men, I need you to notice, well, again, I'm not going to bring that back up. I've already, I've, I think I've touched base on that enough, okay? Make time for communication, guys. And I need you to understand, especially us men, it's not about the amount of time, it's the quality of the time. It's the quality of the time. Um, you know, I, I look at this, men, I'm going to explain it to you in a manly kind of way, okay? So, so if, you, if you exercise and you're trying to grow some, some muscles, I had a guy one time, he, he used to go to this church. He moved and went to Florida, and that's the only reason why he's not here, but it's Big Mike. Y'all remember Big Mike? Big Mike's probably watching online right now. I love Big Mike. Love you, brother. But Big Mike is a big man. Okay, this dude's swole, right? Like, he looks like Brock Lesnar. Who in here likes wrestling? Yeah, only three people. We're nerds together. Amen? <laughs> Brock Lesnar, I mean, he literally looked just like Brock Lesnar. This dude ain't got no neck. You know, he's walking around like this. You know, y y I mean, y'all think I do arm day every day. This dude's arms are the size of my thighs, okay? But Big Mike, me and him became good friends, and I'd see him in the gym. And I was in there working out one day, and I'm busting my tail, and I'm getting after it. And he walks up to me, and he says, chill out. 
I said, what are you talking about? He was like, Micah, it's not about how much weight you push. It's not about how many reps you do in a set. It's about the intensity of how you lift each set. It's no different when you communicate with your wives, man. In those moments, it's about how intense you are to communicate with your wife. It's not about how many times you do it. It's about the intensity that you put into it in your mind, sitting down, listening, speaking, actually communicating with your wife. You know, some of us look at our wives and all we hear is Charlie Brown. Womp, 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 womp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, but if you, I, I, really, I really, I'm going to challenge every man in here to do this because it works when I do it. And what sucks is, is you think I'd figure it out and I'd do it every time, but I don't because I'm not very smart. But when you sit down and your wife is speaking to you, listen, take notes. If, if you're like me and you're ADD and dyslexic, grab a sheet of paper and take notes. <laughs> Guys, I, I promise you, women, let me ask y'all a question. If we, if we seriously listen to y'all that way, if, if, if I said, if I literally, if your husband pulled out a notepad and started taking notes, didn't say nothing, he's just looking at you taking notes, would that make you mad? Oh, it would? I didn't pray before I put that in the sermon. That's <laughs> what I get for that, you know. Yes. <laughs> Will Harris said I should have asked Amanda first. That's good, brother. All right, guys. The last thing I want to discuss uh, on how to improve emotional unity with your spouse is by being a peacemaker. Oh, yeah, being a peacemaker. I'm hearing a lot of amens on this side. Like you men, I'm praying for y'all over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, let's look at Romans 12, 18. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. This includes your spouse. Your spouse is in that everyone category, okay? It's not like, oh, I'm going to, you know, extend peace to everybody else, but oh, not my wife. It's everyone, guys. Everyone, you must extend it to regardless of how personal or offensive an attack may be coming from your spouse, you should strive to bring peace to every situation. When you make every effort to be a peacemaker, guys, it sends a message to your spouse that you want to reconnect with love and compassion. Who in here doesn't want a peaceful marriage? I better not see one hand raised. I swear if I do, <laughs> we're going to counseling right after service. I promise you guys, if there is no peace in your marriage, people know it. They know it. It's obvious to others. They can sense it. You can sense. You know what I'm saying? Like you get around a couple, like, you know, man, this one time, I ain't going to name no names. This one time I went to this house, and we were going over to eat, and, and we got in there, and man, like, I walked in the doors, like, like, I could feel anger, you know what I'm saying? And sure enough, man, I walk in, and, and, and that wife is sitting just like this right here, and the husband's over here, he's going to start drinking. So I knew good and well, this is not a good situation. I feel no peace in here. Y'all, that was an awkward, awkward supper. But y'all know what I'm talking about. You know 
if a couple has peace in their marriage, love, unity in their marriage, and if they do not, it is obvious. And here's what I need you to catch. Husbands and wives, if you don't have peace in your marriage, you are crippling God's kingdom. You're crippling it. Stop it. It's time for you to get your marriage back on track. And listen, I ain't trying to hurt all y'all because trust me, there's days that I walk in, ain't no peace in my home. Trust me, I got to get that straight a lot of times. I promise you, your pastor's guilty too. But here's the difference between me and other couples. You can't let it linger. You got to stop it. The first thing you got to understand, that's an attack from Satan. That's exactly what that is, and I refuse for that to be in my home. So it's time to bound him and throw him out of my home. Then I got to go get my wife back. That's harder. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My, my, Mikey, we got off the sexual thing earlier, man. You got to chill out. For those of y'all watching online, I am going to repeat what Mikey said. Because I was saying, you know, you got to bound Satan, throw him out. And I said, then I'm going to get my wife. And then he said, well, bound her. Again, everybody, y'all give our outreach pastor a round of applause, you know. Good gosh. Man, I was trying to have a serious moment, too. Like, I was, I was right there. Like, I was fixing to get there. All right, guys. I want to close today by asking you guys. I want you all to really ask yourself a question. And I really want you to be honest with yourselves, okay? Let's get serious. Hang on. Okay. I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you and your spouse truly have godly peace in your home don't lie to yourselves because you know you know if you do or you don't if you don't come back next week and the week after that and the week after that next week we're going to end this sermon series on how to have a peaceful marriage it's my favorite. I love it. Guys, I need y'all to understand something. Life is too short to not have peace in your home and with your, and with your spouse. It's way too short. I will say this to those of you that don't have peace in your home right now. I do want to say thank you for still fighting. Because, again, the problem with the world today is as soon as a couple walks in the home and they don't feel peace, they quit fighting. They give up. Guys, our number one goal at this church, besides everybody having a strong relationship with God and reaching salvation, okay, that's obvious, right? Amen? But the next thing that's right there in line, we won't healthy, loving marriages. Because we know 
That's what sets the tone. That's where God works. I refuse at this church to have a couple that's struggling that way and, and, and me know about it and not help. But what I need y'all to understand is, if you notice, I said me know about it. If I don't know, I can't help you. I want to thank there's some people that have reached out just in the last couple weeks since we started this series that are asking for help. And I thank y'all for that. And I need you to understand there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you just took the step to a major victory. And I'm proud of you for doing it. We all need help. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's the pastor standing at this pulpit. If I need help, I'm going to get it. Don't sit back and allow Satan to continue to just step all over your marriage. It's time to fight back. And we'll give you the steps to do that. 